a chance. Chance at what, Mikey? Getting killed? Look, if we keep going, someone's really gonna get hurt. Maybe dead. Besides, we gotta get to the police. Maybe Chunk already got to the police. Maybe Chunk is dead. Don't say that. Never say that. Goonies never say die. I'm not a goonie. I wanna go home. I forgot. But still, don't you realize? The next time you see Sky, it'll be over another town. The next time you take a test, it'll be in some other school. Our parents, they want the best of stuff for us. But right now they gotta do what's right for them. Cause it's their time. Their time. Up there. Down here it's our time. It's our time down here. That's all over the second we ride up Troy's bucket. listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where Every week, we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. But guys, he had to go fix his mom's statue of David. I'm sure he'll be back. But in the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into our ongoing summer mega series. It is Stranger Things season once more. And the citizens of Hawkins are captivating audiences' attention and so much more of their time than ever before. So we wanted to spend our summer covering films and filmmakers that influenced the show. The first half of our mega series featured a quartet and a half of the works of John Carpenter, and now it's time for the second half of said mega series. It is a cornucopia, a panoply, a myriad of films thrown together in one series. That's right. Reed and I, to show our love for you, our listeners, made you a mixtape. This half of our mega series will be featuring four films that have inspired the whole concept of Stranger Things. 
The last two weeks, we roughed up a trio of John Carpenter films with best-selling author and friend of the fog, Matt Ruff. But today, with our first deviation this year from patron voted material, that's right, almost all of the series we are covering this year are voted on by our patrons. Join them and you too can vote on films we cover. Today is the first offering on our mixtape. And we'll be following the clues left by One-Eyed Willie discussing the 1985 kids' adventure classic, the Samwise Gamgee and Thanos team up, The Goonies. Additionally, we'll be featuring a patron-only segment on Stranger Things Season 4, Episode 5. But before we all do the truffle shuffle, allow me to welcome back to the show lifelong fogger and Toronto's best tour guide, Vera Gowdy! Vera, welcome back! (laughs) Hey, you Gowdy! Um, Vera, do me a favor real quick. Being the master of languages, you are decipher the Spanish on that map. I emailed you while I remind listeners that here at the fear of God, we explore. We don't explain except for right now. When I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at the fear of God podcast.com. Things like how to support us on Patreon, as well as essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise. Read Lackey! Hey! <laughs> hey, buddy. How's it going? I'm good. Reed, Vera's here. Good. Vera, Hi. how are you doing? It's good to <laughs> see so you. Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm very well. This is this is exciting. We got stuff to get to and we'll do it quickly. But mm-hmm. we 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 pointed to this last week on your guest appearance on Dear Billy, uh TV Guidepost, Vera. But Vera, you and I got to hang out in the real recently. Yeah, what? We met <laughs> Crazy. IRL. Yes. I was stranded in Toronto <laughs> I, yeah. with a group of thirty. Really funny quick story, and then we're gonna jump right into our material and or our patron only segment, that is. And, uh, I was like, Hey Vera, you want to come hang out for a little while? So Vera got to meet myself and the 13 year olds. Uh, and what's really funny about this story is that it was really early in a tour with a bunch of people I didn't really know. (laughs) So, uh, and whose names I was still learning. This was literally 24 (laughs) hours into a tour with 30 people, 20 kids, 10 adults. And Vera meets us in the hotel lobby with donuts and coffee, like a good Canadian would, and um, uh, like the best Canadians do, I should say. And <laughs> Vera's, sitting, Vera's <laughs> sitting in this lobby, and one of the other adults comes over, and I'm like, dadgummit, you know, because <laughs> I'm just trying to have a conversation with, with Vera, and my kid are, are there, and... I'm I'm sort of realizing okay, our time is being cut even shorter than than it already was. But what was really funny about it is one, I didn't know this adult's name because <laughs> I was still learning names. And two, this adult because we're all a little bit strange to each other, thought I'm tired probably it, it, and very tired. <laughs> thought for at least a moment I'm sure that Vera was part of our tour, which was That's really funny. Hysterical. Yeah. So she sits down this other person, third party here. She sits down quite close to Vera in a very familiar way. Like you <laughs> oh, would boy. if you're kind of traveling with people and maybe yeah. you just haven't learned their name yet. And so my desire was to try to, <laughs> to kind of uh, uh, bring forth this person's name. Well, you know, from them. And I said, Hey, this is my friend, Vera, Vera, and I kept waiting for the person to say their name, like I'm so and so, and she didn't. She she totally didn't. She's like, oh hi. I'm like, yeah. oh, oh. 
Even oh, I don't hi. know this person's oh, look, name. You know? What's on <laughs> yeah. the news? And it was just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Then we just started talking about, you know, Canadian things. Oh, so regardless. My gosh. It was really awesome to be able to meet the foreign correspondent in the real. I'm not yeah, jealous at all. Really nice. <laughs> um, get stuck in Toronto. Yeah, Man. yeah. Get if you are stranded in <laughs> sure. Toronto. Yes, that's with, a with how you're going to get out being quite in question for some time while you're there. Sure, sure. Reed, is there any business we need to attend uh, to? Nothing beyond the usual. Join Patreon. Join us in the Facebook group. Uh, yeah, write a review. Write a review. Just join the fun. Listen. You know, if you're discovering us for the first time, there's lots of ways to engage. So, yeah, I mean, no specific deliberate business other than just come join the fun. Oh, and one I thought of recently, nope. submit some foggies as you're watching oh, your yes. scary movies this year that are releasing this year. Some of you are like really on it, um, mm-hmm. but submit your foggies. We're going to have mm-hmm. quite the list to pull from uh, yep. when that time gets here. All That's of that exciting. said, ladies and gentlemen, friends and foggers. To the patron mobile. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to our main conversation for today. Now that we have uh, shared our thoughts on episode five. Mm-hmm. of Stranger Things Season 4 with guest and friend of the show, Matt Murray. Reed, today we begin the 80s mixtape. A mixtape, yeah. Of the summer mega series. Tell us a little bit about the idea behind this The concept? Mixtape. So, we yeah. wanted to do, it started actually per, perhaps uh, a bit premature, but I mean, I, I, I won't say that definitively. We knew Stranger Things Season 4 was coming up, and so we were like, we're going to spend all summer doing Stranger Things, right? So we wanted to do that, but along the way, we wanted to do some things that would also be concurrent to the 80s vibe. Now, the patrons earlier in the year had voted definitively for us to cover some Nick Cage films. We did that. It was a lot of fun. But at the same time that we had asked them to choose, you know, kind of what series they wanted, we had said, do you want us to do a series on Nick Cage or do you want us to do a series of John Carpenter films? And the John Carpenter films were a very, very close second to the Nick Cage. So I was like, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we cover John Carpenter films for at least the first half of it? But Stranger Things is nine episodes long. So I was like, well, we need something to fill the other four. I mean, we're not covering Memoirs of an Invisible Man by John Carpenter on this show. Like, we're just not going to do that. So I was like, we need to fill the other space. So what's a common thing that was fun in the 80s that we did? And immediately what came to mind is mixtape. Like, why don't we do this? Why don't we just why don't we just surprise everybody and just be like, no, 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 we're gonna we're just gonna make you a mixtape of some '80s films that are direct Stranger Things influences. Uh, some of them in small, subtle ways, and some of them in very overt, larger ways. Um, and so that's what the concept behind the '80s mixtape is. So we're gonna be traipsing through the second half of Stranger Things season four, and uh, and and also talking about some '80s films that maybe we wouldn't have covered in different contexts because it's just a mixtape. Do you, uh, Vera doesn't know these yet. Do you want to share what the four films are? Yeah, I uh, like sure. Them. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're going to start with the Goonies, as which we're talking about today. Uh, <laughs> next week. If you haven't heard, Vera. Yeah. Uh, it's, yep. News to me. <laughs> it's, it's pretty news. That's, that's a fun story. But, um, so the Goonies, 
and then, then um, oh, the, the next uh, installment next week, forecasting a little bit, we're going to be talking about Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Okay? Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And then, not Mad Max 1, Mad Max 2. Um, and then we are going to be going to uh, back to kind of a previous series we'd done of uh, animated films. We're going to be talking about Akira. Which is very fun oh, and interesting. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Um, and then we're going to close things off by talking about Indiana Jones, but specifically the Temple of Doom. So, uh, so yeah, that is the mixtape we have made for you, it's the a good Goonies. Series. I'm really, really excited about this: the Goonies, the Road Warrior, Akira, and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's going to be our roundout mixtape. So we hope you like it. We hope we're going to have a lot of fun. I feel compelled, Reed, to share before Vera uh, uh, just you know, kind of shares all of her copious thoughts on the Goonies. Um, <laughs> you know, the series is called Mixtape. And, you know, I, you you might remember this, Reed. Uh, for my wedding, circa 2004, uh, wildly almost 19 years ago at this point, we made a mixtape. Uh, we made a mix CD wow. as wow. our <laughs> as our favor. Yeah, and you so did. you know the idea of the mixtape is really a special one because of that specific notion. I'm not going to tell you all the songs that are on here, not because of any shame per se, but there's 18 of them. Uh, there's some, uh, there's some U2 uh, on here, of course. There mm-hmm. is some, actually, some some Cademan's Call. Uh, oh wow! There is some Moulin Rouge, unsurprising because he can't um, get it. That's not the song. That's not the song. I was just quoting. That's not the song. I was just quoting. Anyway, yeah. If if anyone's that deeply interested in this set list, maybe I'll post it somewhere. There's some Sarah Groves who gets referenced here every now and then. So yeah, mm-hmm. we made a mixtape for awesome. the attendees at That's our wedding. A great idea for a favor. Yeah, it is. It, it feels a bit like a dead a dead thing now. Like. Could could you do that now? How would you do that? You, you could do like, a Spotify playlist. So Here's your QR code. <laughs> yeah. 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 That would basically be what it is. And which not for nothing, I've seen that before. Like a QR code where you can scan it and that's your Spotify playlist. Um but I don't know that that would be the exclusive favor. It's just it's kind of fun. It's kind of a fun thing to throw in there. But that was back in the day. Nathan did it as a, a, a CD that we got to keep, and it had a little picture of them on the front, and it was really cool. I know. He held it up, but um it blurred your faces. And it was almost like it was like you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Aww, that's nice. Yeah. Yes. Look, January happy 10th, kids. 2004. That was a year Young. after I graduated high school. for that shade at me being old vera i tell you what i'm gonna call you on an episode uh when you haven't watched the film so uh today we are talking about listeners don't know what you're talking about no they don't they don't uh vera i thought i had conveyed so every now and then just you know what life is full there's a lot of stuff going on in life like these adults in this movie, they're just are distracted and distractible and Very forget distracted. or don't realize that they haven't shared with their peers <laughs> what they're expecting <laughs> of them. And, and their peer shows up and they're like, Hoonies? <laughs> <Goonies? What? laughs> and here we are. So Vera being the amazing human, splendid Canadian and excellent fogger she is, is going to be in the sidecar just sort of offering commentary on the Goonies while Reed and I, who have watched it this go around, but wow. that does invite, okay, let's, I'll, I'll, we'll be real here. You did say, you said, Vera, um, 
Hey, I've seen the Goonies a bunch. I have so, seen the Goonies a bunch. You know, whew, thank God. Um, <laughs> that said, talk a little bit, not about the content yet, but like, what is your, how, how deep is that familiarity? What, how, what is that association like? When did you watch it first? When was the last time you watched it? And, you know, uh, <laughs> and we'll kind of start there. What, what is your affection for and familiarity with the Goonies? I didn't watch it. I mean, I think it came out the year I was born, 85. Uh, it is 85. Yes, yeah. indeed. You just and keep <laughs> one more. <laughs> Sorry. That wasn't intentional. I just mean that sure, I sure. didn't I didn't watch it when it came out because I wasn't right. a sentient human being yet. Um, and I watched it much later. I must have been in high school or university. And, um, and somebody was like, what, you haven't seen Goonies? Uh, and no, I hadn't seen Goonies. So I watched Goonies. And I really enjoyed Goonies. And I've watched it maybe... Not every year, but like every couple years, I rewatch it. Mm, that's um, nice. It's I I like it. I um, you know how they have you seen the meme where there's like how you uh, associate um, Samwise, <laughs> who is obviously oh yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. but it's like Bob from Stranger Things. No, it's Samwise Gamgee. No, it's from the Goonies. Yeah. Right. Mm. So um, yeah. So so I'm more the Lord of the Rings era, but I do. I do know the Goonies. I like the Goonies. I interpreted a panel. It was a Goonies reunion Ooh. at Fan Expo Toronto one year. That was fun. That's awesome. Samwise and Thanos. Who all was on that same. panel? Yeah. Uh, it was Sam. It was, um, what's his face? I need to look up their names because I don't remember them. Corey Feldman was there. Mm-hmm. Data? Data? Data. I don't know how to. Yep. He was there. They call him, they Prince pronounce Minor. it data yeah. in the film. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Prince Minor. No, he's coming this year, actually. Oh. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I met him once briefly. He's amazing. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know if I'm in his room or not, because I have a room. The other interpreter has a room. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it pans okay. out. Okay. Um, but, uh, and one other person, but I can't remember who, but those are the three that I definitely remember. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Reed? I really don't know your... <laughs> Association with this movie. So, um, prior to my getting married, this film was just, for me, was just a film that existed that I saw and that I kind of liked. Going to give a shout out and some love to my mother-in-law because when my my nephew, specifically my wife's nephew, when he uh, was about to come into the world... Somehow, and I, I don't know the full story of this, but somehow along the line, they they came to calling him Goonie. Uh, specifically, my my mother in law called him her Goonie, her little Goonie, and she still to this day has as her ringtone the Cindy Lauper song, the um, mm. Good Enough song. Wow. Um, and and so they they love it. You know, it's it, it holds a kind of a specialty place in their heart for it, and so because of that, it it has uh, a sort of a heightened reverence as it was. Um, this is a film for me, my individual opinion on it is imagine a, 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 a stew or a soup that has literally all of your best favorite ingredients that when you eat it, you're like, that was good. I liked it. So it has all of the, all of the things that are, all of the individual elements of this film sure. I would point to and I'd be like, I freaking love that. I love that. I love that. I love those kind of characterizations. I love this kind of story. I love it when they do stuff like this. I love that. I love that. But something about the overall impact of the film 
leaves me firmly in that really like category. There's something that doesn't quite take it over the edge. And maybe this conversation will bear out a little bit as to why. Um, but it is a film that I admire a lot, and it is a film that I genuinely enjoy. I don't know that it's a film that ranks in the upper echelon for me the way some other things would, despite it having a lot of elements that I typically respond to very strongly. But um, I, I, I don't know if it's quite the freneticism of it. It might be, and this is for later in the in the conversation, it might be my thoughts specifically on the end, which I'll get to when we get to it. But I am genuinely disappointed by certain aspects of the ending. Not that I don't like the way it ends, but I'm I'm dis I'm disappointed in the way they display the ending, given so many other things that I think that they do better. But that's my overall take on on the Goonies as a starting point. But did watch it when I was a kid, and and yeah, like grew up with it and all that good stuff. Well, uh, and then there was one. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel compelled to throw out, especially for Vera, um, that uh, a summary, however, of the of the film, which is to say, <laughs> I'm I'm lightly joking there, as I'm sure Vera's seen it enough to remember, but. Uh, Mikey, Sean Astin and Brandon, Josh Brolin are brothers whose house. And it sounds like the surrounding homes uh, that are yeah. uh, mm-hmm. occupied by peers of theirs uh, being foreclosed upon for some new development, that sort of thing. Uh, so they happen upon in their attic, this sort of treasure map and, and what proceeds from there is what I termed this Indiana Jones meets home alone kind of energy to this, uh, to your point and read, you make it, you, you kind of, hit the nail on the head there, there's a, a a way in which not just what the film does, but even how it does it is really exceptional. Yes. Um, but to, to echo a little bit of what you said, by the end of it, I was like, well, I mean, yeah, that was all right. Um, <laughs> like it didn't kind of push past that horizon line for me, uh, even if all the pieces m- mostly fit. Mm. Um, but what's weird... <laughs> I feel relatively confident I had seen this before, but I could not say with absolute certainty. Um, I think there's a good chance. Um, so Reed, before you and I actually like buddied up at, at, at our alma mater, there was this pocket of time that, that we weren't really in each other's orbit. And that <laughs> it's going to make it sound like I was super lonely during that time, which might be true. And here we are, but it's when I checked a lot of movie boxes, right? Okay. Hadn't seen mm. X. Let's watch mm. X. Hadn't seen Y. Let's watch Y. And I'm wondering if that was the era when I might've watched the Goonies for the first time. So oh, okay. I was loosely familiar with, you know, kind of the general cast, the general vibe, but I, I can't tell you with certainty. I had watched it beginning to end except for possibly that era. Um, gotcha. But I mean, it's got a hell of a pedigree. I mean, Spielberg on story, Chris Columbus on script, Richard Donner directing. Yeah, it's pretty wild these days to see something from this era. And there's something else we covered in the fog history that I think this happened on too, where Kathleen Kennedy is in the list of producers on the front end. Who now oh, I didn't notice her name. Okay. Listeners yeah. at home runs Lucasfilm um, or inherited it at least on a certain level. And uh, so, so yeah, there's, there's quite the production pedigree. There's quite the cast pedigree. Um, I'll kind of kick us into the, the kind of inner workings of the film. I think it was on our 
last week conversation about Dear Billy, where the notion of VFX came up and, and this planted this seed for me as I was watching the movie this time. I don't know about y'all, but what does it say about me that I got mildly emotional just seeing location shooting in the opening 30 minutes mm-hmm. of this movie? Mm-hmm. I was like, dang, I, 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 during, in, in our, in our super Matt Ruff conversation a few weeks ago, I beat up Doctor Strange 2 pretty heavily and, and I don't even know that it's unmerited, but it's more just representative of what is becoming this like extreme usage of VFX these days. Now, of mm-hmm. course, pretty much, right. pretty much everything is going to have some version of it, but, uh, random aside, if you've watched the trailer for, um, Andor, the new Star Wars series hmm. that's coming, it actually, for for one of the first, and I enjoy The Mandalorian, but even The Mandalorian included, Andor is one of the first of the Star Wars and maybe even the Marvel series that actually looks like a lived-in world. Um, and, and, of course, it's going to be just larded with VFX, but that came to mind talking about this. However, switching back to Goonies, in that opening 20 minutes when they're at a physical house shot on a physical sort of uh, ocean side mm. community when the kids make their way to, I think they refer to it as the restaurant, the abandoned restaurant. And it's yeah. this actual wooded area. And I, there's a little bit of camera gimmickry that happens in this film. I'm not pretending there's not, but it's clearly for the most part in those, that opening run actual natural spaces that these it, actors are occupying throughout the whole movie. Like the, yeah. the pirate ship was an act like an actual giant pirate set piece. Yeah. Like an actual physical like thing. Yeah. yeah. Something that I will say this and, and this kind of uh, piggybacks off what you're saying, things like that pirate ship. If I were to say, what's your, what's your favorite thing about the Goonies in, in prime contention for the number one spot is just the grandeur of that pirate ship. It looks incredible. And it was, mm-hmm. it was a physical ship in the physical space that they really, you know, uh, there was a funny little bit that they did where they said like Richard Donner had kept that pirate ship set a secret from the children. Oh, wow. Unt- until, awesome. until they actually saw it. But here's what's, here was what's kind of funny about it. When they first saw the ship he wanted to capture their actual reactions. So they emerge, they turn around, they see the ship, and they just gave these great, like, oh my gosh. But then Josh Brolin said, holy shit. <laughs> That's <laughs> and awesome. As, and as soon as he said that, it ruined the take, and they had to do it all over again. Cause I don't, and I don't know why they had to do that thing, but it's just like everybody busted up. And, and so then they had to do the thing. So he had, so he had to redo the emotion. But no, he, it was... It is impressive. It's like it just stands out there that it's again. There's nothing. There's no comparison to just like practical, real craftsmanship in there. Again, the computers can do some amazing things. I mean, Lord of the Rings wouldn't exist without the the computer synergy that they were able to do and and the the leaps that they made in computer graphics from that point. But yeah, it's but look still, at Lord of the Rings compared to the Hobbit and. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> then they it. become too to dependent. On it. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> then they became too a little too dependent on it. And no, I'm 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 with you, Nathan. It's like it's wonderful 
just the, the the location shot of this, just the the imaginative veneer of everything is really, it, yeah, it's it's really the, quite the endearing. The tactile nature of it makes it feel yes. more adventurous. Yeah, absolutely. It, oh, I love the way it, you said that. It yes. does kind of make you wonder, and this is a bit more meta conversation than we have time for here, but like industry wise, are we heading for a kind of new era because you know i'm sure y'all y'all are y'all are both savvy enough to see headlines about you know marvel getting leveled at them these criticisms of of how they work the bfx and and to be fair it's everybody marvel's just the big fish and so they're easy to they're the easy punching bag yeah right and and it's just i thought this as as rough as things like the boba fett show were and as rough as even there's one or two others in there, but it's like Obi Wan. Yeah, yeah. I'm like that. I don't. I don't even believe anything I'm watching anymore, and that kind of mm-hmm. sucks mm-hmm. Um, to have that feeling. Uh, anyway, I, I which, don't mean to camp out too hard on that. Yeah, what read? No, no, no. Which is why, and I'm I'm, I'm going to give it some love. Like, look, the, the man is possibly insane. He he could be a little bit insane, but that's why when Tom Cruise says it was important yes. to him for Top Gun Maverick to be real. F-18s and real G's, you do get you do get a sense of it. And I mean, like, yes. I mean, I really hope those safety guys were, were protecting those actors. But holy cow, those scenes, you just can't do that on a computer. You cannot create the same thing. It's just not possible. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And, and you really do feel the difference. And that's part of why I think well, that's that a, movie... That's a, I'm you know, glad you brought that up because that, that film is a great example of how, like, you know, we, we've, we've put the cart in front of the horse when it comes to just yada yadaing our our environments in film. Um, whereas something like Maverick, you watch that, especially in the theater, go see it in the theater. If you still can people, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's just it. breath. It's breathtaking. Like it really is. I know there's some trickery happening, but I'm also kind of buying the illusion as well, which is, I don't know where the trickery and the real ends and begins. And that's <laughs> incredible. Hard to come by these days. Yeah, um, absolutely. Any, any sort of uh, uh, start off elements that either of you would like to um, bring up? I'll yield to Vera actually. So, so Vera, do you have so, so something that what? something that listeners yes, may I have not so know? Much prepared. There was yeah. a reason so, I didn't single out Vera, but yes, no, no. But but here's here's the here's the funny thing about it. So, um, so listeners, if you're wondering why what we keep referencing, Vera had a pre scheduled recording session with us, and on this pre scheduled recording session Our, with us, we were under the impression that. That we the were producer be re- had conveyed the correct information, well, right? No, I, I, it's so funny because when I tell these stories, I actually try to provide coverage for that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I'm, I'm just kind of That's like, why I'm too, the producer. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, fire that, that guy. guy. <laughs> that guy's yeah, out of yeah. here. But, um, but basically, like, we came <laughs> thinking we were going to discuss a couple of different things, including Goonies. Uh, Vera uh, thought we were going to discuss a couple of things, minus the Goonies. She had not been told about the Goonies. And so it's almost as if we were just sort of... But she's an incredible drive- sport and human... <laughs> Yeah, and and it's almost as if we bumped into each other at the store, and we're like, "Hey, want to go talk about the goonies?" <laughs> and it's like, "Okay, sure, like, let's go talk." Why don't you set those groceries aside? <laughs> sure. And here's a microphone. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Oh, okay, never say die." Here we go. <laughs> yes, read. Perfect. Perfect. So, um, but no. So, so, and if you need a few minutes to think about it or to scour the internet, that's fine. Uh, but I just wanted to to know, like, what stands out to you as things that you would really, you know, just sort of more didactic things. Yeah, just uh, and what what are some of your general feelings or some things that you would point to that stand out for you about this film? 
I, yeah, I mentioned the pirate ship. Obviously, that's the thing that sticks in my head the most. Um, sloth. Everybody loves sloth. Mm, mm-hmm. Right? Iconic. Um, the dance. <laughs> All of, like, the greatest hits. You know, the things that are, that have become pop culture references. Sure. Those are the things sure. that stand out to me the most about about the movie. But also, yeah. I just, I, it has a feel. Like, I don't think it's on the same level as E.T., but it just has mm. a feel of that era. It's got that energy. Yeah. 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 And and I and I love it. I love that that nostalgic element. And I have um, to Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm curious for both of you, though very yours might be a little too young, like my kids have not seen this. Have either of y'all's kids seen this? Yes. My son has seen it. Yep. We yeah, had a big we, family viewing. We just watched E.T., but not the, we haven't watched the Goonies yet. <laughs> E.T. is traumatizing for little ones. <laughs> they thought yes. it was hilarious when E.T. Oh, wears the okay. wig and that, like, they yeah, thought that okay. that was yep, yep. peak comedy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Reed, does your son enjoy Goonies? So we had to try it twice. We tried it once when he was possibly a bit too young. And it, it, it's important to note that the scene is, is a bit on the edge. When the Fratellis were threatening to traumatize, to to torture oh, Chunk, yeah, um, that that got under his skin, and he was like, I, I, I can't watch. And we were like, it's it's fine, nothing happened, but it just he couldn't he couldn't handle like the threat of it and everything. So we tried it again later. He was a little nervous about it, and and I say this lovingly. We were we we kind of made him. We were just like, no, you are gonna sit through that scene. If you get to the halfway mark, which is well past that scene, and you still don't want to, and you want to bow out, then we're just never going to try with this movie for you again. But get past that scene, and once they got into like the cave stuff, he got he got more into it. He liked that. You so. know your your story of pushing your child to finish the movie reminds me of um, when I. It's not one of my finest parenting moments, and I've matured <laughs> a good bit since these days. But when we first showed the older two, The Wizard of Oz, I mean, oh. gosh, seven years ago at this point, so they would have been like six and four some thereabouts uh and i remember them getting squeamish at a certain point and Mm. again not best parenting moment but i just remember pausing it and kind of pissed if i'm being real honest Mm. uh because it had been mounting and i was like you know what kids have been enjoying this movie for generations you want me to just tell you how it ends like (laughs) is that what's going to get us back past this part you know (laughs) i was just so like y'all it's fine just watch the movie oh my gosh Uh, Uh, i get it not a proud you gotta go like football coach like we're gonna get past this (laughs) (laughs) keep going suck it up yeah I, I believe and believe. Yeah. Again. Well, let's 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 do this. Let's uh, jump into some that ain't right, and then that'll feed into some broader um, cool. whatever whatever's we want to talk about uh, uh, before we sail this ship. I'm down out into the horizon. So it is time for the part of the show where we discuss things that are not just wrong, but of which might be said that ain't right. That ain't Sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, so that ain't right for the Goonies. I will start us off just because it's so foolish and idiotic. Uh, and there's not a whole lot of quote unquote ain't right about this. Um, what is with the random guy the in the country club sauna sporting the eye patch? What is the deal <laughs> with that? Did you see this? 
Really? I don't. I don't think I noticed that oh. snow. Uh, uh, well. I don't recall. But okay, There's, I wasn't going to ask you, but I figured. <laughs> but uh, apparently, uh, to make an eye patch joke, a blink and you miss it. Apparently, uh, sort of scene where it's when they're under the um, country club and they're 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 with the pipes all the and everything, pipes yeah. and plumbing and stuff starts going a little wonky. So you got these dudes in the sauna, they're showering, they're hamming it up. These, you know, middle-aged dudes. One of them has an eye patch. I'm not making this up. I did not fall asleep. I did not import Nick Fury into the Goonies. Uh, There is a moment, (laughs) this dude in the shower with these other dudes with an eye patch. And I'm like, is he playing tennis? I mean, I guess that's, you know, certainly. Maybe he's supposed to, maybe he's supposed to invoke, you know, one-eyed Willie. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Which is. I mean, still weird. It is weird. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's all weird. There's a lot of penile humor in this. <laughs> I mean, there there is. It starts early, and the pirate's name. I mean, what? No, no. I just, I'm just picturing all these poor people who only have one eye and have to wear an eye patch. Like, I shower too, Nathan. The question isn't, do they shower? I hope to god everybody showers you know i'm I'm looking at you my kids who don't do it quite enough uh and put up a fight when i ask you to uh but it's not it's (laughs) the question isn't do people shower it was just it just stood out to me you know it was just a moment some dudes in a sauna after the big game or whatever it is they do at the country club and one of them has an eye patch it just just read representation in movies these days you're just not used to seeing it yeah Yep. Yeah, yeah, is, is is a pirate call out there. So that that's, that's my only that sort of is it. That's my is it right. That's my that's my is it right. We have a new we have a new segment, ladies and gentlemen. Is it is it right? We is it don't right? Know. Is it? I right? mean, maybe you know. Maybe. I'm just a guy in the world watching a movie. Is our this segment, right? Our segments are going to evolve. It's going to be that ain't right. That's so right. Eventually, it's is it right? Is it and right? you do you yeah. boo like. <laughs> I mean, that I should that. be your mentality when you see a guy with an eye patch in the shower yeah. is you do you boo. You do you yeah. boo. Is it so right? Great. I love it. That's that's going to be the new segment when when a bunch of middle-aged white dudes are trying to assess what's going on in a thing. Is it right? I mean, I'm not saying it's not. It just is it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. my gosh. Vera, this Vera. movie, proximity bias being what it is, you just finished right before we started. Um, wow. I'm kidding. Uh, what is your... <laughs> That ain't right for the Goonies. Mine is about One-Eyed Willie um, oh, and okay. how it's a real skull. That's a real skull? I didn't it know that. It is a real skull. Yeah. Wow. Um, which is, hmm. yeah, the second, the um, uh, Quarterly Queens, when I was with Asia, we were talking about yep. As Above, As above. So Below, real mm-hmm. skeletons in that movie, also One-Eyed Willie, real skull. Wow. And I know that there what? are human body parts, like real Human skeletons can be found in movies and stuff, but it just creeps me out every time. That's all. Sure, it's of a little creepy. <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's just like, like, like literally, this used to be a guy, and mm-hmm. now it's not. Yeah, that ain't right. Ugh. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Did hmm. you have something to add, Nathan? You feel like you no, wanted to jump I, I, in? No, I was, I was musing on I, I, the the cursed films of Poltergeist, where the, right. the gentleman's yeah, talking yeah. about this actually gets done, and so. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. there's a guy on TikTok yeah. that has a collection of human spines. Like he just okay, buys that, them on the interweb. Okay, you just found the- your that ain't right. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's the other thing. Is this there's right? A, no. Here's another thing. There's a guy on TikTok 
who buys human spines. Let's not forget, there are people in the world who sell human spines. <laughs> like, let's just, like, that's... Is there a supply yeah. chain issue with human spine wow. market these days? Wow. Wow. So many oh questions. Goonies, Goonies got dark. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, people ain't got no backbone no more. Like, man. Hey, hey! <laughs> 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 all right so okay so my that ain't right <laughs> i had a silly one that's not almost not worth mentioning so my real that ain't right is coming in a second but my silly one is just all that pipe nonsense put that poor man on the toilet for a ride like i just pictured oh, like you're just yeah. sitting down you got your magazine you'd be like okay all right i've been looking forward to this for time hours. to relax <laughs> yep nope <laughs> just, boom like nope no, yep that ain't right that ain't right um, but no, my real Into one. the ceiling, no less. I mean, he, yeah. he went for a ride. <laughs> like, and listen, I get it. I get it. But like the water coming up through the toilet <laughs> ain't going to be that fresh and clean swimming pool water. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, like, thank God they had the good sense in this production to not be verisimilitude about that piece of, of material. But no. So just, mm. uh-uh. Mm-mm. Um, okay. But my real that ain't right. It's just. Poor Chunk gets left in the freezer with that stiff, and he's just, I'm like, yeah, they laugh it off for comedy. Like, they laugh a lot of things that happen to Chunk off for comedy, but I'm like, I'm oh, sorry. He's that traumatized. Kid, that kid's therapy bills are thick. <laughs> he's going to have, like, he is going to have mountains of, like, we're t- Miamityville Horror, the sequel, is going to be coming back mm, to Chunk. Like, let chunk. me tell you what happened <laughs> that, to me. That, Reed, Lackey, that's, that's clever. A that's a clever, <laughs> like, yeah, is like, well, let, you know, the, the untold story of Chunk's <laughs> Later years, yeah, uh, man. my friends, my friends called me Chunk. Okay, there's one. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't my friends, admit me unless I did body yeah. shaming truffle. Yeah, shuffle. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. We're starting on a bad foot here. And then, <laughs> oh, by the way, my friends left me with a dead body in cold storage. <laughs> the thing to then be harassed and threatened. You know, my appendages ground up <laughs> in by the, yeah. the bad guys. You know, they say Goonies are for life or whatever their phrase is here, but I don't they know. Never say die. I think yeah. I think in these the reunion film 30 years on, 35 years on, 40 years on, Chunk is the bad guy because he's like <laughs> yeah, he the, fools. The Goonies is actually his villain origin story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Man, cuz he and Sloth, they're going to team up and that would be that that would be a great horror film. Like I'm just telling be. you. That's like of Mice and Men. Yeah. Mm, what's the sequel <laughs> well there it is <laughs> <laughs> so, we haven't done that in a while we should reinstitute so, that um, some other time but yeah um, so chunk chunk getting stuck and then having to do, just an asterisk on then mm-hmm. after he gets out of the freezer and runs to find the cops of course the first car that he stops is the fratellis and he gets put back in the trunk with the same stuff like i know it's played for comedy but i'm like omg poor chunk like oh my goodness so yeah, that ain't right. That ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. Okay, so uh, if we were doing a that's so right, I gotta throw this out. We're not gonna formally do it, but I. It takes a it, more than I wish. It takes a lot for me to to lol irl right. <laughs> They're just as the kids. <laughs> say, Omg, the kids of two thousand five. Um, but. The whole bit when the Fratellis bark to tell us everything to Chunk. 
it's, and put him under threat. It's uh, amazing. And then he starts recounting all these menial <laughs> transgressions he's done over time, culminating in when he got sick at the movie theater, crawled up to the balcony, barfed in a cup and threw it over the balcony and it landed on people. And then the whole crowd starts barfing on each other. That <laughs> is so right. That is comedy gold right there. It's very that, funny. A similar thing happened to a friend of mine. <laughs> oh. Sorry. We were watching Mystic oh. River in the theater and my friend got, <laughs> it was like near the end of the movie, almost when they reveal who had murdered the daughter and oh, my no. friend just blew chunks all, oh, way, all no. over the row in front of him. <laughs> oh. And then they started gagging and we left. <laughs> well, because it, but Mayday, Mayday, abandoned because ship. It bears, it bears repeating and it's five years old in podcast life now. I mean, Vera, I don't know if you remember on the mummy episode of ours, I told the story of how <laughs> watching the first Brendan Fraser mummy at our second the run theater one, yeah. in my hometown, huh? The better one. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I was wearing flip flops and the people in <laughs> no. front of me spilled a drink and then they spilled it again. And I realized they didn't spill a drink. They had vomited and it had splashed onto my feet. Oh my uh, god. That's yeah. so disgusting. <laughs> that's that's where you t- my soul just left my body. <laughs> what? <laughs> my soul just left my body. Like that's where you I just throw it. Happened. The- I you- saw it. It sort of it sort of <laughs> lifted up. <laughs> and it went again. I didn't know you could do that on command. <laughs> I'm Doctor Strange up in here. I'm just like <laughs> Seriously. My man had his feet thrown up on. Oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> Take me, Lord. <laughs> Take me, Lord. No, no. I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were back in the that's that ain't right segment. That exactly. Oh my god. That's where, you, that's where you just throw away the shoes and you go barefoot the rest of your days. Like just like no, nope, nope, where you throw away barefoot. The feet, no, you don't go barefoot. You, you cover your feet <laughs> forever. That's uh, why yeah, I haven't that's taken true. shoes off since then. <laughs> I sleep in shoes now. Twenty five like. <laughs> years ago. <laughs> oh Lord. Lord mm. have mercy. Oh man. Um so I do have a question. It's not a okay. it's not a themed question, but I'm like, so the whole plan okay. I cited earlier, maybe this will be built into some stuff, but I cited earlier that where the film starts to lose it for me a little bit is in its last 20 minutes because a couple of things start to happen in a way the film didn't feel like for its first hour and 30. Things begin to feel like we just need a thing to happen. Like we just need a thing to happen and because we just need a thing to happen, this is what's going to happen. So it starts with, when I start to see the cracks is... So Mama Fratelli's plan is like, you're going to walk the plank. You're going to walk the plank. But then when Sloth like saves the day, everybody just dives off the boat anyway. I'm like, what was I the threat? I thought that was a little odd. I was like, what was the threat of walking the plank? You wanted to get in the I wondered if I'd water. fallen asleep or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you wanted to get in the water. And then like when the Sloth gets mad at Mama, he like throws her into the water and then dives in after her. I was like, what is the threat of this water that you're just like, what are you trying to do? So that's where... That's where it starts, is where it's just like, what are they, I don't feel like they really have a handle on what they're doing. But then, when they get to the beach, and they're walking up the beach, right? And then, uh, by the way, that's a Richard Donner cameo, the, the, the yeah, police the police officer. Yep. Okay, cool. So, um, when the police officer's like, okay, yeah, you know, call it in, here they are. First of all, I'm like, okay, have they, have they been, 
Is it a whole day later? Is it, I think it is, but I'm not sure. How long have they been in this? What is time? That kind of thing. But then this, this flood of people show up. All of the parents of everybody shows up. Chunk's mom has a pizza. But she has, she showed up. Her child's been missing. That feels like so another she, fat joke, honestly. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. Sure. And so she's, you know, so she's got a pizza. And then on top of that, when the, the, the guy then shows up, this is what made me wonder about the time. Because then the, poli- the people showed up, the bad guys showed up. And when the bad guys showed up, they're sitting there like, okay, it's time. You, you have to. So then when they get there, he's got to sign the papers, but then everything just sort of falls neatly into place. He's got to sign the papers, but of course he's fidgeting with his glasses for an hour, not <laughs> signing the paper that was long enough. A demonstrably yeah. long time, yes. And, and, and it keeps, it almost like they keep reshowing the same shot of him. Like, it looks like he's written his first name, but not the other one. But then, you know, the, the, the help uh, finds the, wow. the jewels. I mean, like, uh-huh. well, that's why they treat her in the film. But, sure. they, you know, she finds the jewels, saves the day. First of all, why would she want has she come around to loving these people after thinking that they were crackheads and you know because sure. of what because of what mouth told her so there's that but then when they pour the jewels out those are the most ignorant looking gems i have ever seen <laughs> in my life those are those are candy store gems and i get it that maybe they are worth a significant amount of money but I don't know that you would identify that enough to feel confident ripping up the papers and throwing them into the air like it's graduation day. Like I loved, so many, I yeah. loved Reed. You just referenced it. One, uh, you you just have the happy ending. Reed. That's what they're going for. But sure. you just referenced the tearing up the page thing. <laughs> if you go back and rewatch this, uh, very you'll love it because of how recently you saw it. Is you see the actor's hands throw up the existing flex of paper and literally right behind his hands, like a confetti popper of extra paper gets shot up in the air. Like, oh yeah. It's party time with that paper. We're just throwing up all the contracts. Yeah. Somebody's, somebody's yeah. ripping up money. And they're just like, everybody tear up, like- up your contract. <laughs> Throw it in the air right now. Go. <laughs> hey, who's, got, who's got paper? Throw it up. Throw it up. <laughs> a blue and a white sheet. Go. Oh my gosh. It's all just that- a bit. So, so here's the thing. I'm not, dumping on a happy ending movie like great it's a happy ending but for an hour and a half as outrageously fantastical as everything is everything felt organic and for me the record skips and then it skips again and then it breaks and then it like the whole phonograph just falls apart because everything just feels like they're organically moving to the next place and that last 20 minutes for me just feels like oh we got to check this box we got to check that box we got to check that one and so let's just check them all and then get people out of the theater that's how it feels to me so yeah i feel like that's a trope in a lot of movies of of that era though like if you go back and watch um like overboard is one as you were talking Mm. that popped into my head where the end of the movie kind of seems like chaos and it's just a lot of like ham-fisted comedy moments and things that don't make sense because they don't really have a way to to wrap up the story neatly, but they want to have a happy ending. And so it's just sure. things. Um, yeah. If you go yeah. back and watch a ton of movies, they're, they're, a lot of them have a very, very similar problem. That's fair. And the movie earns enough goodwill that I don't, I mean, clearly it doesn't ruin the experience for a vast amount of people. And it's not as if it ruins the experience for me. I, I still highly enjoy this movie. But I think if I had to point to something 
where my why don't I love this, maybe it's that. Because, I, because I'm not as energetic around that ending as I am behind that incredible play the bones sequence or that gr- or Inspector Gadget, like always saving mm-hmm. the day with his with you know his pinchers of power and all that stuff. Like I love so many of those things. So then when it gets to the what, yeah, no, the pinchers of power pinch you in the wrong spot. I mean, this whole movie has <laughs> <laughs> just yep. painful phallic humor. But anyway, that's all. I mean, it's it, at, at worst, it's a it's it's a, it, it's perhaps a relatively minor quibble in an otherwise very endearing movie. But it, I'm trying I'm trying to figure out why it doesn't quite gel for it's, me, and I think it's that. Yeah, for it's me. just more the the first part of the movie is just a lot more fun. It's fun yeah. for them yeah. to be on a mystery to solve a mystery, and when mm-hmm. the mystery is solved, it's like yeah, okay. we're done. <laughs> that's a good point. Let's get out of here. Get to those yeah. credits. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. it's so funny, like even watching it because I'm 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 with you. Like I I I think part of it, it's just burdened by at this point, almost 40 years of hype and pressure as classic kids family adventure fair. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of hard to support the weight of that. But, you know, there, there are things I actively loved. I mean, I love that it seems like all the kids have two parents in the home, you know, that, that mm, felt mm-hmm. like a, uh, an intentional choice, um, that at least Mikey and Brandon, it's a, the dad and the mom, you know, uh, something yeah. like that. Something like, I love that though there's some rivalry, Brandon is a participant and peer in the ongoing adventure. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a decent brother too. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I just, yeah. said like, yeah, he has some siblings, Squibblery, but he's he's a decent. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I just made, <laughs> Bless you. What? I just, yeah, I just made <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Squibblery, but um, but no, like they they have their their squabbles, as it were. But there's no, they genuine. Squibble or they squabble. But they they don't do both. Fall down? No, nope, they do both. <laughs> um, what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that they there's yeah. genuine there's genuine organic and believable affection there. He's a good yes. big brother, and and that yeah. is very endearing. Despite their despite their squabbles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> squibble, squabble, squabble. Uh, <laughs> can I introduce a thematic idea that may yeah. mm-hmm. sail us into the sunset? Um, I, I don't have a lot of emotion wrapped up in this theme, but I noticed it. And perhaps through conversation, we'll, we'll find our way to something semi-profound. Um, it stood out to me at the very beginning when uh, Truffle Shuffle aside... There's, um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the his- historical figure or pop cultural figure or whatever he lies in, Rube Goldberg. Um, mm-hmm. There's, you know, I, I know it, uh, a la The Thing, uh, uh, via X-Files. There's there's an old X-Files episode called The Rube, uh, The Goldberg Variation. Yeah, And I that's that. how the character and person of Rube Goldberg was interest- introduced to me. Uh, but now, once you kind of see it, you see it everywhere. And it's uh, in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, but post-Truffle Shuffle, that's his access key, Chunk's access key, that they then trigger this Goldberg sort of device to let him in. It just stood out to me as a little odd to, to, to front-load the film with something like that that's so unique and specific. Mm-hmm. And so then this sort of... Uh, we'll, you know, we'll call it that this Goldberg device as a concept runs through the whole film, like hmm. kind of every new clue unlocks this 
machinery that triggers a new thing. Um, it's, it's kind of inherent to adventure storytelling, especially of this kind. But it stood out to me that the kids had executed one for Mikey and Brandon's house in order to access the front. Um, and, and, and why is that? And so I think what's something that's kind of cool about the movie, even if my overall energy about it is pretty dimmed, I still can champion this idea. Like I loved the, the notion cause Mikey even refers to one eyed Willie as the first Goonie. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I kind of love this notion of belonging of community and your people and how maybe I'm over reading here, uh, that the fact that the boys as youngsters had executed this device in their front lawn, coupled with the fact that when I Willie utilized this type of mechanism to protect his treasure, a la he's the first goonie. It just, it creates this fascinating circle in the lineage of not just the adventurous spirit, but mm. the adventurous spirit expressed through your people and your community and your yeah. kind of fellowship. It is one thing, one thing I was really impressed with the movie about, not just the parents are, are intact and together and in it, but the element of Brandon and you add, um, Steph and Andy, like something about adventure seeking draws into the community, new members and, and, mm -hmm. and partners and, and what to me in more um, cliched versions of this same story, it's the young kids versus the older kids. And that this movie really doesn't have an interest in that. It, it yeah. is interested in we're on an adventure together and this adventure is enmeshed in a century long adventure itself and, mm -hmm. and thus blow that out into macro that, that, you know, you can find adventure, even if it's in a uh, uh, gumball machine jewels, um, <laughs> you know, th there is adventure to be found uh, and it's, it's kind of right under your feet. And I, I don't know. I just really loved that idea. And let me be clear, not the notion of adventure can be found, but that it is with your people. It is with your, your, your cotet, it is with your crew who has your back, who is multi-generational, intergender, uh, that is going to produce this, you know, safety net of, of adventurousness as you embark into the wild world. I don't know. I really loved that yeah. about it, um, that it kind of ties together across time. Any, any initial thoughts on that? Again, I don't have like a ton of emotion attached to that idea. It's just really fascinating to me that they did it. So, um, man, I'm so torn between responding to your, your, your exploration there with, a <clears throat> some, some thoughts or responding to it with a question. Mm -hmm. I will, I will ask the question, but not allow you to answer and possibly give you <laughs> some time to think about it. <laughs> Possibly give you okay. some time to think about it. Because what I was going to ask is, well, what makes a Goonie? Because you citing that One-Eyed Willie is the first Goonie. That as, I didn't is, cite as, that. Mikey does. But yes. I, I was saying, as dubbed by oh, Mikey, oh. that One-Eyed yeah. Willie is the first Goonie, and you cited that moment from the movie, is what I was sure. saying. Um, so my question was going to be, what makes a Goonie? And one of the things that I do find, and we've talked about this in different contexts on the show before, 
Um, I cannot recall the episode, but I remember there was a moment in an episode where we were talking in, in, in what I felt in the spirit was, was a bit optimistic about like an Easter egg hunt and there's treasure everywhere. And the fact that they, they are under admittedly a somewhat conveniently fabricated countdown of like, we have until tomorrow to come up with thousands and thousands of dollars to save the day. Sure. But then you, you follow the treasure map and the, the never say die motif and the, I will say this, this film is unendingly optimistic. Like that's what every single time where things were just going to go south and I, I, they, they just don't, they keep pressing on, they keep moving on into the next piece. And I love your talk about like how they all work together with it, even though they have their differences. I feel like the characters are pretty darn distinct. This is some yeah. pretty strong characterization from everybody. They all sound unique from one another and they are a wonderful little collection of different perspectives and different attitudes and different approaches to the world, but all seeking treasure. And I think there's there's something to that, again, unending, unending optimism that is refreshing, particularly in such cynical times, to say, like, yes, there is there is treasure to be found, and there is um there is the possibility, you know, like when Mikey says right after the waterfall sequence, when he says, like, Chester Copperpot never made it this far. Like, we've made it farther than anybody has ever made it, you know? And the the will and the desire to keep going when you're right on the verge of giving up is a very inspiring kind of thing. And uh, and that's that bleeds back into that, you know, is that what makes a Goonie? Is what makes hmm. a Goonie is is this idea of this spirit of adventure, you know, and, and maybe maybe it's significant that when Andy decides not to climb the well and be with her boyfriend who's dropped the wish yeah. down there, what what is his pejorative declaration to the stars against her? He says, you goonie, you know, like, mm, mm-hmm. and so maybe there is something in the undercurrent of this film that's like, yeah, that's that's how you get in the club. You you recognize that giving up is is not a thing we do lightly or easily, if at all. And there is treasure to be found, and by God, we can find it. If we just have the courage, the stamina, and the the tenacity to continue to pursue it, there is cur- there is treasure to be found that might just save the day. And that's that is a um um an enduring and a kind of an optimistic thing, particularly given the times that we live in. That's my immediate response to your, to your query there. Well, Vera, you, okay. you referenced real quick. I want to throw a quote from the film in here. You referenced the never give up idea and the keep pushing on. I do love Mikey says to Andy when they're playing the bones, he says, Goonies always make mistakes. Just don't make any more. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great you line. Know? That is a great line. Yes. The real um, friends were the Goonies that you had with we you made along, along the way. way. Mm-hmm. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I do love, I love what you're, you're both, um, saying here. I love that even though, um, you have like the cool athletic kid and brand, but most of the other ones are flawed in some way, um, or, or outcasted in some way. And you see this with, with stranger things. And, and I think that that's the thing that ties them together is the misfits, right? 
Sure. In Stranger Things, yeah. they actually call themselves the Misfits and the Goonies. They call themselves the Goonies, but they don't belong elsewhere, but they do belong with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I love it. And, and, and that's I what do makes think, a Goonie. Yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> I think there is a, I, so I beat up a lot on the ending and I'm going to cite something that also made me go like, really? But, <laughs> but I love it. I just, I still, I love it is when Chunk, I don't know if he talked to his mom about this or not, but he's like, sloth, you're going to come live with me now. And I just picture his mom in the background, like he's going to what? <laughs> like, 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 Who's gonna like, what? <laughs> like, what do you? I ain't got that much baby roots. Like, what you doing? But um, I think that you know that there is this sort of like there's this open hearted acceptance to it all that mm-hmm. that is charming, and um, I think maybe I ke- I keep looking, perhaps uh, with false. Uh, motives. I keep looking for some sort of like gotcha profundity to to draw out of this, but I think maybe the simplicity of yeah, to be accepted for all of your oddity in the middle of a community. I mean, like I can't, I kept making the joke. I called him Inspector Gadget, but like you know, Data and all of his, as he cited, you know, wasting my time on all these stupid inventions. But those inventions save the day more than once. Either save mm-hmm. him or save all of them more than once. Um, and, and that's really charming. And I love the idea of just like, yeah, you and all that you are and all that you're interested in and all that you enjoy and all that you bring to the table, whether Nathan, I think it was you that cited this, or maybe it was Vera. I think, I think it was Nathan, uh, about like, you can be the, you know, kind of stereotypical, the first time we see him, he's, you know, doing the stretch exercises, um, jock character, or you can be data or you can be freaking chonk and there's a place for you and there's an opportunity to belong and and that is something that is um sadly very remiss in what it feels like a lot these days and uh, and it's refreshing to just see that and, and feel that in a and perhaps read to uh, put a final bow on things in our parlance it's not goonies it's foggers i was it's just foggers. gonna say i was having a conversation with one of the other foggers about this. Oh, <laughs> that warms my heart. That warms awesome. my heart sincerely. No, that I honestly have never been able to even actively verbalizing it. I've never been able to give proper words uh, to that sensibility of just being like, oh, it's it's nice. It's it's really nice and it and it feels um it it it, it feels salvific to have something that just where you just feel like, yeah, this is, this, this is, this is a place where I can belong. This is a place where I can be my weirdest, most out there self and, and still find some, some home. And uh, I think we're so conditioned to just like wait for the other shoe to drop or there has to be strings attached to something, but like, it is okay to just have, just, just have a nice ending and a nice thought and that's it. Mm. And that, and that be it. And I think that the Mm -hmm. Goonies, and movies like that can help remind us of that. And I think communities like The Fog exist because of that. It's just mm. nice to belong. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. I, I'm actually content to end it on uh, on Vera's observation there. If you are, Nathan, are you good with that? 
You want to head to the I fog meter? Cra- craving a baby Ruth, if I'm honest. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> the fog meter, our very specific metric of how we measure the films we cover, uh, that of fear, how scary or not a thing is, and God, how substantive or not a thing is. I will start um, with fear. And The Goonies, is just, it's not a scary movie. It, if, I suppose if you're a kid kid, um, it's got some kind of sp- spooky imagery to it the skulls the uh, uh chunks appendage under threat as it is so in the spirit of that at least i'll go with a three on the fear measure vera what about you yeah i'm, I'm gonna join you there on the three it's uh it's not scary i don't think my, i mean my kids are weird but i don't think that they would find <laughs> it super ser- scary um but yeah there's if if you are more inclined to be frightened of things you might you might be frightened of something so Perhaps shocking you both. I'm going to be pretty generous here because I do think some of the stuff, like the Fratellis are stooge villains. Like they are, they are intentionally designed to be absurdly incompetent in all aspects. I mean, you know, they're, they're doing slapstick gags where they're slipping and, and you know, uh, uh, slipping on the log and, and they're Falling just, on their testicles. I'm telling you, yes, it's everywhere yes, in this movie. What is the is, deal? No, it is. And so, but, um, that scene before Chunk's glorious bit of comedy where he tells them everything, that whole thing was, is a little alarming. And also all the, you know, pirate skull imagery. I'm looking at that and I'm like, whoa, that's pretty gnarly. I wouldn't cite it as scary, but I'm going to be generous to a general vibe of, of, of kind of darkness for a film in this vein. And on that, I'm going to give it a five. All right. What, so, about, what about the God meter for you, Reed? So... I think the note to be found is the one we found. And I don't feel like this film is intending to do more than have a fun kid adventure. Um, so, so in that spirit, I'm actually going to give it a five on the God meter as well, because I think that note that, that we sort of gleaned out is there. It's textual. We don't have to stretch much to be able to, to see it there, but that's about all there is. So five for me. Vera. Um, I'm just going to go one up. At a six, because I love me an underdog story. Nah, hmm. good point. Good point. Um, I'm actually maybe surprising by the you're going to go a seven. Um, I mm. think, you know, knowing that, or at least it seems to be, this is an original script um, and, or an original story um, and the intentionality of not just a community of kids, uh, but who, who kind of name themselves, who have their own kind of sort of, you know, vernacular and jargon and ethos um, that are, as we've identified here, kind of welcoming as long as you kind of abide that ethos, which is an open hearted one of in and of itself. Like, I don't know. I, I find a lot laudable about the inner workings of, of the, the, the sort of worldview of the Goonies. And so in that, spirit it feels like a seven is appropriate so Reed, awesome. what does that point us at for a, that for a score? that means we give the goonies directed by richard donner uh we give it a five out of ten on the fog meter which is perfectly respectable showing for something like that before i ask if we recommend it which listeners can maybe forecast it i have to mention so that i don't forget i did love sloth 
tearing off the thing. That was great. And and yep. the Superman shirt, because of course Richard Donner also directed Superman, so it was just like, oh, that's that's cute. That's wonderful. Correct so. me if I'm wrong. I think some of the score comes in right there too. Oh, the score absolutely comes in. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah. I, Dave I, I Dave Grusin made the score largely. It wasn't I actually looked it up to see like, was that John Williams? Because I didn't know, because it, it really evokes E. T. Yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, but no, the the actual theme uh, does play for a few bars right there in that moment, which is really great. Um, so yeah, five out of ten on the fog meter. And do we recommend the Goonies? Vera, do you recommend yeah. it? Yeah, of course. It's it's a classic. <laughs> um, even if you don't have the nostalgia for it, I think it's worth a watch. It's a fun movie. Just watch it. Yeah. Yep, Nathan. <laughs> I'm actually kind of on the fence. I mean, <laughs> I, I I think it's I think it's um, it is absolutely watchable. Uh, I think it's history and legacy probably overhyped it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that spirit, I'm like, ah, it's okay. It's, it's not a necessary watch, but I could see, you know, kind of, uh, especially if my kids were, were boys and, and, uh, you know, silly and doofus the way these boys are, I, I could really see digging in on the energy of it. So it's kind of a half-hearted recommendation me okay um uh, somewhat in that similar vein i think it's it's pretty essential 80s so if you're into the 80s or educating yourself about the 80s goonies is a must see um i also feel like by and large it will not waste your time so even if you feel like you know you may not come away going oh my god goonies is greatest thing ever you know like the cindy lopper said it's good enough so it's it's time to (laughs) (laughs) it's it it is not going to waste your time you're going to have fun there's some genuinely funny moments, some genuinely charming moments, and some genuine thrills for this type of film. So it's not going to waste your time, and you might wind up really, really enjoying it. So, yeah, it, it's a recommend for me as well. So that, um, Vera didn't expect to talk about the Goonies, but here we are. Surprise! And uh, so, surprise. I promise we won't do that to you, uh, at least not the very next time. At least not intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for spending your time with us, Vera. We oh, really appreciate it. Always my your- pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us on this conversation. And, and sure listeners, thing. thank you for this uh, first track on our mixtape. We're going to be, you know, just stay tuned. And next week, we're going to be checking back in for the next track. So not only for the patrons are we going to be talking about Stranger Things Season 4, Episode 5, but we are also going to be talking about Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. I'm going to emphasize it again. We are talking about the second film in the Mad Max (laughs) franchise, The Road Warrior. So check that out for next week in our mixtape series and also Stranger Things Season 4, Episode 5 for the patrons. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thank you again, guys. See you guys. Thank you, Vera. Bye. Bye. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. 
and to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.